Hello everybody and welcome again to a very special episode this time of The Horror Guys. Um, I'm up here, I'm Alan. Down below me this week is John. Uh, and I travel. To my, well, he's to my, if you're looking at the screen, he's to your left, my right. Uh, that's uh, James Dermond. Did I pronounce your last Dermot. name correct? Dermot. James Dermond. Okay, James Dermond, I apologize. Um, he is the author to the Doorway to the Unseen uh, book series, which I have right here. Um, and uh, we're going to be interviewing him today. Uh, and uh, well, welcome, welcome to the show, James. Um, welcome to being an honorary horror guy for tonight. Okay, that's great. I, that's, I'm glad to be here. So, so uh, you have a uh, series of short stories, uh, or short story anthology books that you've written. Uh, you're on to the third edition so far. Um, mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about, from your perspective, uh, what these books are about. Well, I mean, it's kind of just a homage to the, uh, the horror genre and the short uh, horror story form. And, you know, I, I kind of go over some classic tropes in horror and there's some things that are entirely original. You know, it's, it's a planned uh, 12 volume series. So the fourth volume will come out in late April this year and then there'll be another volume in October this year. And then I'll keep going until I reach 12 volumes. Do you have, um, when, when you started undertaking this project, that's a pretty large project. That's a lot, that's a lot of writing. Um, yeah. Did you have everything mapped out, or is it kind of you go, you write as you go, you do you take it one book at a time, or do you have ideas for stories? This is always very interesting to me, getting into the mind of the writer. Okay, well, I probably have enough for the whole series right now, but things will drop off and other things will be added. You know, as I write the stories that are in the series, I get ideas for new stories, you know, that I haven't, that hadn't occurred to me before. One of the things that I'm doing is I'm writing uh, prequels and sequels to uh, some of the short stories. Like um, in uh, volume, uh, volume two, there was a story about, um, that takes place in medieval Germany and it's about like, kind of like werewolves. They're not exactly werewolves. And it's uh, involves a silver pendant, and then volume three, and has the prequel story to that. Did you read Cast in Amber? I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that that's the prequel story that takes place in ancient Rome. You know, where you kind of find out where the amulet came from, and then in volume four, uh, Forged in Fire will kind of wrap up that that three part story. You know, where it follows the silver silver amulet's path through history, and it's a cursed object. Okay, so these stories, a lot of them, they intertwine with each other as the series goes on. So it's, it's kind yeah. of a continuation in many ways. Yes. So in the volume one, I wrote a story called Grandfather's Cane. That was like a full car and ghost story. And then I wrote the prequel story uh, for that in volume two, and it's called A God in the Grotto. And you find out about the origin of the main character, who is uh, Grandma Abigail. She was a grandma in the volume one story. Uh, grandfather's cane and then she was a young girl about 12 in the second in the volume two story the a god in a grotto so both are folk horror stories Very and cool. uh they have to do with uh how are you familiar with arthur arthur machin uh, he's a welsh horror writer from the 19th century 
The name does sound familiar to me, but I okay. I don't he know is an I'm... influence. He yeah, he's an influence on Stephen King. Oh, okay. So uh, okay. he's he's cited him as being an influence, and he's also influenced other writers like H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, he wrote a classic a novella called uh, "The Great God Pan," and there's a you know several brief nods to uh, that novella in the short story in Volume Two. Who um, who are who? Uh, so obviously he's one of your uh, one of your influences. Yeah, one um, of my influences. If you had to, if you had to list, uh, let's say, three main influences on your writing in terms of the types of style and the type of things that we'll see in your books. In your opinion, who who really influences your, your style the most? Okay, H.P. Lovecraft. I mean, he's definitely a big influence. I kind of have his, you know, wordy, verbose writing style. Uh, you might, I don't know if you uh, noticed that. You know, I don't try to, you know, write in a really... Uh, concise way or you know I, I give a lot of full descriptions and things like that and that was part of his style and then um i see that clive barker is also a big influence on me you know that uh, yeah. his books of blood series was part of the inspiration for doorways to the unseen you know that he had a collection uh, volume after volume of short stories and then i'd probably say uh just the the 19th century uh, british horror writers uh, outside of that, you know, people like Arthur Machen and uh, and a number of other writers in that that era. Uh, you mentioned you know, particularly ghost stories from that era, right? You know, the kind of the Victorian ghost story. And I picked a lot of that. I, I felt a lot of that reading, um, reading some of the stories that I read. Um, you know, and, and I noticed you you tend to really like to take. Um, like you had mentioned, like a lot of like like one of your stories, Creepy Jane, has has uh, some very uh, Bloody Mary vibes, which is a, which is an urban legend that I grew up um, uh, being terrified of as a child. Um, okay. You know, uh, and uh, and it was cool to kind of read through that and see your kind of take on that. Um, and you mentioned Clive Barker. That's interesting to me because we do a lot of movie coverage on this on this site, and uh, and our, our fans will recognize that name obviously from some of the the films like Candyman, who that have come out, um, Hellraiser, the Hellraiser series, and things like yeah, the that. Hellraiser series. Um, John, yeah, I know but you... it was mostly, it was mostly Books of Blood that was the influence on this series. Okay, you know that. Have you ever read it? Or I've heard of Books of Blood. I'm not sure what that okay. covers. Okay, do you know uh, The Midnight Meat Train? Do you remember that? Oh, yes, movie? yes. Movie. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. that's one of the stories from Books of Blood. Oh, okay. So actually, uh, the very end of the second story in Volume 3, At Night's End, is kind of a nod to uh, the book, the, the short story itself, Books of Blood. Uh, where, you know, the last few paragraphs where it's describing what's happening. And uh, people that have read both stories will recognize the reference. Um, where uh, one of the stories that really intrigued me was uh, Cabin in the Woods. Um, okay. What? Where did you get the? Wh what were you drawing from on that one? Because that's a very interesting. I don't know if it, it's time travel or um, I don't know how to describe it without ruining it. But uh, but okay. I'm just. Well, I, okay. Do you know where this? The flashback sequence where they're, they're describing the the ancient city or the forgotten yes. city. Do you, do you recognize where that is in the real world? The actual city? Uh, it, yeah. Well, not the city, but like the country that it's supposed to be in. It's not like in the middle, is that in the middle East or? 
Yeah, it's in the, it's yeah, technically it's the yeah. Middle East, but but I uh, know, but I mean the country I started writing that story uh you know when we were withdrawing from Afghanistan. Okay. So I just <laughs> I just thought, well, I'm going to write a story about Afghanistan. What could I come up with? Right. You know, so I know that at one time uh they there was an ancient religion in Afghanistan before they converted to Islam. And the the story is kind of about that about that really early uh, prehistory of Afghanistan. Okay, so there's there. Okay, does so that make sense after yes, after it, you it read does. the story? It does, okay. and it actually makes me interesting. Uh, it interests me in terms of actually the history of that because I didn't, I've never really uh, dived deep into that sort of thing. So that's I mean that's really interesting to me because it seems like you really do take care to actually research the history of everything you're writing about. Yeah, I, I go into great detail. Like the cast in Amber story is completely historically accurate down to the decade, you know, around one AD. John, I'm gonna let you go because I've been I've been, ta- <laughs> I've been talking, so I know you had some questions. Well, yeah, I know you got you have to jump in. But yeah, I mean, I just started yeah. with this idea. I want to write a story about Afghanistan. You know, what can I do? And you know, yeah. I kind of started thinking about it, and I started that. It's it started from there, and it grew into a whole story. And it was this unique thing. It's not a stereotypical thing that you're going to find in most other stories. It's not what what readers would expect. I would I would say. Yeah. So far, that's been the most popular story. Everyone yeah. said that they were really drawn into that, and the you know that uh, the twist at the end is really yeah uh, dizzy. It, it set up a very cool atmosphere from the beginning too, and, and you really didn't know where it was going, and, and that's what was nice. There was a nice twist there. Um, okay. Thanks. So I got, I got go a question for you. Um, sure. How do you feel about books being turned into films? I mean, a, a lot of times uh, something is lost, but uh, sometimes the, the books or the movies are better than the books, you know, depending on, on who it is. Like uh, Stephen King, you know, he's a popular writer. He is a good storyteller, but uh, a lot of the movies that have been made of his stories are actually better than his stories, in my opinion, uh, especially like uh, The Shining and uh, Pet Cemetery. Are both uh, better than the original books. Have you guys seen the uh, Pet Cemetery from 1989? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Classic. It's a great That's, movie. Yeah, yeah, it's a great movie, and it's genuinely scary. Actually, the the novel was scary too. I read it in grade school, but uh, the the movie is the original movie is even better, I think. And then uh, yeah, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining is another good example of, um, you know, the, I I read uh, I never made it through the whole novella for. The Shining, but I'd say that the the original remake of The Shining uh, is better than the novella. Did you grow up watching horror films? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, that's where I started with this. Uh, I, I was on Sledgehammer Horror recently. Uh, they're a YouTube channel, oh, wow. and uh, we kind of talked about that. And you know, I talked about the first horror movie I saw was Salem's Lot, and uh, you know, wow. I, I saw it. I saw it on uh, broadcast television. You know, back in Detroit when it premiered, <laughs> and uh, that's where I started. And then I started. You know, I, I was really young, and I I started watching, um, uh, you know, horror movies on local TV. And I, I watched a lot of like B horror movies from the '70s and you know early '80s. And it's just something that I've always been uh, interested in, involved in. Uh, early an early uh, fascination that I had with that kind of genre, probably because of my overactive imagination. You know. <laughs> So I think it's, uh, it's much more imaginative than any other genre. So it's probably safe to say that horror is yeah. something you've wanted to write about your entire life. It's 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I've always thought about doing this, and I thought, you know, I, I really should start uh, writing these stories down and, you know, uh, putting them out for the world. Uh, especially because now you don't really need to go through a publishing house. Mm -hmm. You know, if you just do all the work yourself, you know, you, I still need like an editor and a, and a book cover designer, but I can do everything else myself now, like the marketing, you know, the formatting and everything. So uh, the traditional public, publishing industry is no longer as relevant as it was before, where it was kind of, you know, like a long shot if you ever got noticed or had a career. You know, doing yeah. this. You see that with a lot of, like, uh, really with a lot of media nowadays. Um, you mentioned publishing, music, uh, even film and television anymore with the platforms we have available to us. Um, it's really interesting to see what uh, content creators can do on their own. Um, with that in mind, uh, you know, there are probably a lot of aspiring authors out there, many of which might be listen to, listening to this show here uh, that we're doing right now. Um, if you could give you know one piece of advice that you've learned and if you could go back to the beginning um, and and take that advice for yourself what would it be uh, start writing as early as possible you know I and like in fits and starts I, I started writing like in high school and then like in college and you know I didn't stay with it and uh, it's if you're really interested in this I would just start as a teenager or young as a young adult and, and work on it every day you know just cut out like an hour of TV and, and write instead, <laughs> you know, and that you'll have something after a year. You know I mean, after right. even a, even if you struggle with it, you know, you'll probably have something that's publishable if you write one hour a day for a year. And wow. so I, I'd say that's yeah. what I do if I'd, I'd go back. The other thing is, you know, there it seemed like such an improbable thing that it would ever work out, you know, that that I, my work would actually get published. But um, now it's something you know everything has been changed because of the internet and, and you know print on demand digital publishing so but yeah that's what i would that's what i would recommend is uh you know if you really want to do this uh start as early as possible and stay with it very good and, and an hour a day i mean that's that's uh that's a better way to look at it than looking at i've got to write this big beginning middle and end and i have to you know tackle this giant project um it, it seems like that's a good step-by-step -step, uh process to take and um i know from trying to write things myself in the past it's like writer's block is is a real thing and it hits you um yeah. so uh you know how do you overcome that <laughs> oh well yeah i mean it's difficult especially when you're under a deadline but um writer's block really is just a feeling of overwhelm mm -hmm. You know, where you, if, if you just break it off, like I said, like if you write an hour a day, even if you just get like a few paragraphs down, you know, you're two paragraphs ahead than where you were the previous day. So if you gotcha. just keep doing that, you know, every day, um, if you if you don't have a, ted, a deadline to deal with, if you just do it every day for a year, you know, you'll probably have something uh, worth reading at the end of the year. So, uh yeah, it's just that at the beginning, it's going to be tough. It's going to be yeah. very difficult to write something that people want to read. Um, reading reading your book, um, being that it's a book of short horror stories, um, you get you probably get asked this a lot, but it, it, it brought me back to when I was a kid, and everybody remembers uh, scary stories to tell in the dark. Um, yes. Did you read those books? 
Growing well, that up. was after well, that was after my time. So I mean, uh, okay. scary stories to tell in the dark. I would have been growing up by then. I think. When 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 were people reading those stories? Well, uh, for, probably like what I'd say, like the eighties around that time, right? Yeah, for me, I remember been, going to like. For me, it would have like been like the early book 90s. fairs in school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I remember so going so to the I would, the, because they're they're aimed at like grade school age children. Yeah. Right? yeah generally, but yeah. some yeah. of those. So, yeah, I I would have already been a teenager by then, so. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, I would have. Uh, I just really would never heard of that until the movie came out. Interesting. <laughs> I didn't know it was. I didn't know it was a thing until uh, yeah. they released the movie. Do you get Do you get that that question frequently, or am I the first one about to... scary stories yeah. to tell in the dark? Yeah, f- a few people have asked yeah. me about it. Interesting. So, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's um, it's it was just something that popped in my head when I was when I was you know reading it and going through it because um, because that was. The end. Of, that was the biggest anthology horror story book of my day growing up, you know. Um, and obviously, yeah. they made the movie about it um, and, and things of that nature. Um, but uh, so I just I wanted I had to ask you that. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I mean I wasn't influenced by that at all. I was more influenced by. Uh, do you remember Tales from the Dark Side? Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I watched that. You know, I, I'd watch that uh, every Saturday evening. You know, after uh, the thriller double, double feature kind of went away, uh, that's what I was watching when I was in grade school. Then I'd, I'd watch on that same channel, uh, Tales from the Dark Side and Monsters and all that stuff in oh, syndication, yeah. like during the 80s. <laughs> and uh, that's that's an influence on this series, too. But, um, you know, the stories aren't really comedic uh, for the most right. part. But... Uh, you know that that format, the horror anthology format, and the, the kind of stories that they had in there, um, you know, are were an influence on this book. I actually uh, wrote a brief, you could call it a treatise, on uh, why I'm writing this series, and it appears in volume two, at the end of volume two, and I'll I'll just mention it briefly. Uh, it. Yeah, so I kind of list off the things that are an influence in uh, shows like Night Gallery, uh, Hammer House of Horror, uh, Dark Room, and Tales from the Dark Side. And then like anthology movies, uh, like uh, Trilogy of Terror, The Vault of Horror, you know, Asylum, and, and you know, movies like that, that are from an earlier era. But um, probably like the 80s is the cutoff for the influence on the series. Okay. Very but I mean, uh, did you you guys remember Night Gallery? It was kind of like the, you know, the um, successor to the Twilight Zone, but it was more of a horror show. I want to say I want to say that I've seen Night. It Gallery. sounds really familiar to me. Yeah. Okay. So really do you, remember, you of course you know who Rod Sterling is, right? Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So he was the host of Night Gallery. So after uh, the Twilight Zone got canceled, uh, then you know he. Um, had a you know he pitched the idea for night gallery and i think it lasted several seasons you know and it was more of a horror focused um a tv show including uh, several remakes of hb lovecraft stories including uh, pickman's okay. model and uh do you have you read that uh, short story by hb lovecraft pickman's model yeah I pickman's model now. Okay. All right. It's just, you know, it's about ghouls in the underworld and things like that. But um, it's probably, I think, the only uh, televised uh, version of the short story uh, that's ever appeared. It's actually really good. 
And um, remember the Waltons? You remember that show, John Boy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. there's an episode with uh, improbably John Boy <laughs> appears as like this. Um, you know, it's supposed to take place in like medieval Wales, and um, you know during a famine. And it's about sin eaters, and he plays like the uh, the son of a sin eater, and it's a really bizarre disturbing episode <laughs> and it's it, it so strange because you know someone from the waltons is in it and, yeah uh, there's right. some other things and then uh, roddy mcdowell you know who's in the planet oh, yeah. movies uh he was in the yes. pilot um about this kind of like uh he, he murders his wealthy uncle to receive his inheritance and then he gets his come up and uh, you know like it's a very uh, that's a particularly uh, good episode if you get a chance to see it. That's the pilot episode of uh, Night Gallery. But they're all they're all free. You can watch these uh, uh, episodes now on on the internet for free. I feel like yeah, I, I feel like I've seen some of these because it because sounds it's very familiar. Yeah, it sounds familiar. Um, and yeah. uh, uh, and I want to say maybe my father-in-law showed me a couple um, because I remember Rod Serling being a part of it um, and. Uh, uh, you know, and it, it's interesting to me because growing up as a kid, I loved the Tales from the Crypt on HBO, and even some of the, the yeah. old movie the Tales from the Crypt. Um, so that that kind of anthology stuff has always been really interesting to me. Um, uh, you know, so um, uh, but uh, tell tell us a little bit. You have you have uh, book number four coming out. Um, yeah, d- when, number four. When can we expect that? That will be released at the end of April. End of April. So, okay. uh, so it'll be available on Amazon and ebook in a paperback format at the end of April. Okay. But um, yeah, I, I'm working on it right now. The first story is called "Fear of the Dark," and um, it's about the boogeyman. Nice. So, uh, so creepy Jane. Uh, creepy Jane was about yeah. uh, Bloody Mary, sort of. Yeah. And it was kind of, kind of a composite of different types of Bloody Mary type stories. And then, um, but, you know, it really turns out to be something else. You know, it also has a twist, you know, at the end. And then uh, the boogeyman, though, uh, there's really no twist in this. It is the boogeyman. Okay. (laughs) But but what happens is surprising, you know, with the characters. That's also another concept that's always been super interesting to me um, and terrifying, actually, um, (laughs) ever since I was a kid and I saw it. Uh, I saw some sort of short film about the Boogeyman, and I haven't been able to find it um, ever since. But I remember that being terrifying me. So any anything about the Boogeyman, um, and maybe that's why I'm such a Halloween fan because Michael Myers being referred to as the Boogeyman throughout the whole well, thing. Yeah, he is he is a type of Boogeyman character. Yeah, you know that uh, when I was researching the story, there's a version of the Boogeyman in every culture almost around the world right or like many many cultures you know like across eras and continents and and uh actually there this is a different version of the boogeyman than like the uh, the version this is the german version of the boogeyman okay okay, oh, okay. very <laughs> <laughs> um so so Okay, so German, the German boogeyman. So I mean, I'm yeah, intrigued. It's for connected. Sure. The, the story, the the story, kind of connects to the ancestors of the main character. You know, okay. and you're kind of following the boogie. The boogeyman was somehow involved with her great grandfather, and then this kind of they they reveal what's happening. Why she has such an intense fear of the dark. 
And I could read, I could do the world premiere of an excerpt if you want me to read part of it right that now. Would be, that would actually yeah. be awesome. Yeah, okay, so no, yeah. one has, no one has heard this or seen this, uh, ex not even my editor, so I'll just read it. Okay, very so cool. So the, the idea is Susan is the main character, and she's had a recurring fear of the dark since uh, she's been very young. And, um, you know, she's recently had, like, a breakdown, and she returns to therapy. And, like, uh, she has a series, she lives alone in her house, and she's terrified to even come home to a dark house. She, like, leaves the porch lights on, leaves, like, you know, living room lights on. Uh, she can't be in a dark room. You know, she has to have night lights. You know, I go into a great deal about the psychology of uh, the fear of the dark, you know, and what the, the symptoms are and, and things like that and triggers. And um, the kind of what's going on is revealed in a series of Zoom calls between her and her older brother. You know, and she kind of, she's the youngest of the three siblings and he's the oldest. And he starts telling her about things about their great grandfather and that, you know, it kind of leads up. She's starting to realize that um, she's being stalked by the boogeyman. She's not totally, uh, you know, she doesn't totally realize what it is, but there's a reason for it. And it's because um, of her great grandfather when he was a boy. So that's where I'll leave off. Peter starts telling her this story. So he says, you know, dad told us another story about great granddad, one even scarier than eating roasted rats. Peter seemed to be assessing Susan as he continued gazing into his webcam. And I'm not, and I suppose you're going to tell me the story whether I want to hear it or not. Susan looked away from her webcam and then turned her head to the open door behind her, the hallway light still on. I was just thinking about this. After the rat story, this one came back to me. It's funny. I hadn't thought about it in so long as it's out there, to say the least. Peter was no longer smiling. So what is it? What happened to great granddad back in the old country? Susan was intrigued now, even though she felt Peter might be probing her for some reason. Uh, Dad told us that a while after eating the rats, things didn't get better for great-great-grandma and the kids. Food was scarce and she had to put some of the kids in an orphanage, even though she was still caring for the rest of her children. Great-granddad was placed in the orphanage along with several of the youngest siblings so he could keep them safe. He was the oldest boy in the family. The orphanage was packed with children who had lost both of their parents during the war and the other kids whose families couldn't feed them. The nuns had converted spare rooms in the orphanage into sleeping quarters with the kids almost piled on top of one another. The first night there, great granddad was put into a room with his brothers and sisters and about a dozen other children. All of them slept on cots along the bare floor. The room was previously a bedroom for staff at the orphanage, unused for many years, but now appropriated by, for the orphans. Uh, great granddad said a nun put them down to bed after saying their prayers and then took the only light in the room, a candle in its holder, with her as she left for the night. Uh, candles were still in short supply, along with everything else. The, bedroom, the bedroom's closet door had been left open by the nuns when they were cleaning out the place so it could be used as a makeshift dorm. Uh, Great-granddad's cot was next to the closet. The room was completely dark, but he couldn't, still couldn't sleep. He was so hungry it kept him awake even after being fed some dinner along with the other children. After a while, great-granddad heard, had uh, heard a creaking sound as the closet door was pushed further open in the dark. Great-granddad then swears he saw a horrible thing emerge from that closet close to him, but still passing him by. It looked like a man, but very bent and crooked, too tall and too thin to be a human being. The thing stalked through the sleeping children and then paused near the cot of a little girl one who had been left all by herself at the orphanage. 
The thing scooped up the sleeping child and bundled her into a sack it carried, and then silently made its way back to the open closet. Great-granddad wanted to scream, but he held it in, knowing the monster, what the monster uh, might do if it hurt him. He closed his eyes, barely being able to see in the room anyway, but not wanting the thing to catch him spying on it. He then said he could feel the thing coming toward the closet, but then pause, as if he might be looking down at him. He then heard the closet door creak shut, but didn't dare open his eyes until he could feel the morning light on them. Susan breathed out, having held her breath near the end of the story. Peter, why did you tell me a story like that? You know, the last thing I need to hear is some spooky tale about dark closets and child snatching. Peter smiled slightly and then peered into his webcam. I just wanted, to, I just wanted you to know that great granddad also had a terrible fear of the dark. Maybe it runs in our family. So she kind of realizes, that, this is towards the end of the story, she starts realizing that maybe her fear of the dark is, is real. And um, it's a pretty lengthy story, um, you know, with a kind of, uh, uh, a, it, it kind of it eventually reveals why she's being stalked by her great-grandfather's, um, you know, uh, by, why, the, why she's being stalked by the boogeyman that first encountered her great-grandfather. Very interesting, um, and I'm, yeah, looking, sure. I'm lo very much looking forward to reading that. And uh, um, and and I think something that makes a story like that actually so terrifying for everybody is it does kind of you think of the dark, it's the unknown, what's in the dark, and, and something we can't see, something that's there. Um, and it, and I think no matter who you are, that you can you can kind of um, see it from that perspective which is what i think oh, yeah. really works about that sort of story um yeah i mean it's a really common fear of uh, fear of the dark yeah. and children yeah yeah um i want i want to take a moment here because we are we're, we're coming up on 30 minutes so i want to i want to make sure that i i uh, do this giveaway um uh i want to give away a copy of james's book Trying it, it, this. This is very confusing. The way you go this way, thinking it's gonna. But uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> doorways to the unseen three. I'm not giving you my copy. It will be a brand new copy, so that the corners won't be all be all uh, um, uh, twisted. Uh, all you got to do is is just leave a comment on this video. We're gonna give it a week. We're gonna announce it uh, next week when we do our show. The winner, um, and we will get in touch with the person. Um, who uh, who wins wins the um, wins the book? Um, I want to just say the comment has to be um, in order to qualify. The comment has to be um, uh, uh, substantive. Substantive. <laughs> substantive. Substantive. I'm there we go. Tying up my time. Yeah, I, I spend all my time in front of the <laughs> Merriam-Webster's on a bridge. So, you know, I, thank I know God I'm one of us has. Thank God one of us has. Um, substantive and uh, to what we're talking about so uh i it can't just be hey i want to win the book um also uh, i don't know who's doing this but somebody must be leaving some pretty uh terrible comments on our on our uh or or somebody's leaving comments and deleting them i don't know what's going on or if youtube's deleting them that means somebody's leaving comments on our on our page that are um uh uh being deleted by youtube uh for policy uh issues so i have not seen what the comments are uh so obviously uh, if your if your comment gets 
uh, deleted uh, by YouTube, it's not going to uh, it's not going to qualify for the contest. Is kind of where I'm going with this. Um, it won't qualify for the giveaway. But uh, so um, if you want to say something mean to us, just keep it within the realm of policy guidelines, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll take it. Just keep it yeah, keep it yeah. fairly nice, I guess. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know? mean. Whatever, whatever. I don't know what this person keeps saying, but YouTube is just not having any of it. So it's not us deleting it. I promise you that. Um, I can only imagine. <laughs> I was. I can only imagine as well. But that being said, I do want to give a copy of this away because because uh, uh, James has the fourth edition coming out, um, and, and I think that uh, we got a great ex ex excerpt from uh, a very interesting story that's going to be in the fourth book. Um, there are some really cool stories in this one. Um, I really recommend it. I really uh, have enjoyed what I've read. Um, uh, you know, I have a five-year-old and a, and a, and a one-and-a-half-year-old, so it's been difficult for me to really have the time to sit down and, and read for hours at a time like I'd like to, but I've really made an effort to, to read a bunch um, in this one. And I have to say, well done. It, it was a very... Um, interesting book. Um, the stories in it are 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 their own, but they also um, have some familiarity to them. So, and that's a hard thing to do. So, so nice work. Okay, for sure. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean that's kind of the intention of the series too. Is that a lot of people don't have time to read a novel. So yeah. uh, you can you if you have just one hour a night or like you know just a few hours a week you can. Uh, just read through this. You know, like uh, readers have told me that they read one story before bed every night for a week. Yeah. You know, and then uh, they've read all six stories. Yeah. You know, yeah. so. Yeah. So it, that's, yeah, it's the intention that people that don't want to read a full novel or don't have the time, yeah. uh, that this is, uh, this is intended for people that, you know, just have like an hour to read maybe every yeah. night. It's very manageable. I, um, I uh, would not be reading the Boogeyman story before bed. I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> the Boogeyman story <laughs> is going to be pretty scary. Yeah, I mean, the, the Boogeyman story, um, I, once you read the full story, I'm going to put it on Wattpad for free. I put the first uh, story in each volume for free on Wattpad, so it'll be up on Wattpad okay. soon. You'll get to read the story about the rats. And, uh, oh, nice. You know, that's kind of a strange thing to hear out of context, but right. once you read it. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe re sleep with the lights on that night. <laughs> right? Um <laughs> James, tell us a little bit. Where can we find you? Uh, I know you have a okay. Twitter handle, website. Tell us all that. Okay, yeah, I'm really active on Twitter and have been for years. Um, how many followers do I have now? I have almost 46,000 followers. You know, so um, if you guys want to retweet uh, this, you know, I'll be happy to uh, re you know do any any retweets for your uh, Twitter handle that you want me to. Appreciate it. And that. then uh, also I have a website. It's uh, jamesderman.com, D-E-R-M-O-N-D.com. You know, and um, I, my stories in volume one were actually adapted for Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, uh, which is a, a major YouTube horror channel. Um, and they did the Halloween special with just three of my short stories from volume one. So, uh, you know, and that's linked on the website and, you know, you can get all the information about me there, like my Goodreads page and my Amazon author page are all on the website. And we'll have that all linked in our comments as well. Um, you can find us, the Horror Guys. We are uh, we are on YouTube, obviously. Um, we are on Twitter as well. John, you you uh, you're better at this part <laughs> than I am. So, uh, Facebook, Spotify, Twitter. Uh, was it Apple Podcast and was it Amazon Music? 
Yes. yes. And uh, I'm finding out that we're on podcast platforms that I've never heard of as well, which is cool. That's fine. Hey, <laughs> um, you're right. That, that works. James, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on. Um, yes. We hope to have you on again. Maybe once the once the next book comes out, we could do this again. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could definitely come back uh, even for volume five. You know, that would um, be great. I can maybe, you know, that'll be in October around Halloween. So perfect you know, timing. Come back on it. Okay. Excellent. Best time of the year. That is the best time of the year, at least for us. Yes. <laughs> Definitely for me. It's um, my favorite holiday, of course. Uh, anybody have any parting words before we jump off, uh, before we end the recording? Uh, anything else? No, I just appreciate, uh, I, I mean, I had a good time talking to you guys, and I appreciate being on the show. Definitely likewise. Absolutely. Thank you for uh, coming on. We appreciate it, too. All right, okay, guys. Thank you. Author James Derman. Doorways of the Unseen, Volume 3. Jeez, oh man, is out now. <laughs> volume 4 is coming out at the end of April. Keep your eyes peeled for that. We're doing a giveaway. Uh, comment down below. Let us know what you think. If, if somebody's uh, listening to the feed that's read the book, also uh, let us know what you think. And uh, yeah. for John and I, we'll see you next week. Yep. Okay. Thanks. Fans, check out and follow the Horror Guys. You can find them on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the horror guys. On Twitter, horrorguys21, that's H O R R O R G U Y S 21. On YouTube, the horror guys. And also on Spotify, search for the horror guys. Middle, middle.